Hello, church family and friends joining us today. Our、uh, theme for this year's missions month is the Sending Church because we will be sending our first ever long-term gospel workers to a specific unengaged, unreached people group, and we want to prepare and learn as an entire church how to support them, pray for them, care for them, and partner with them in this endeavor. We are sending them. Not alone, but together with our two HMCC churches standing behind them in these ways, we're going to be commissioning them on June 27th. So please mark your calendars. It will not only be a historical milestone for our church, but this will be the official last Sunday that they will be a part of our local churches. They will be their own disciple-making movement hub, sent out by HMCC of Tangerang and HMCC of Jakarta. So remember June twenty-seventh for our commissioning service. So far in this year's missions month, we've learned how the sending church are witnesses of Christ and how the sending church prays for gospel work. Today we will be learning how the sending church are gospel friends on gospel mission. Together, from Philippians chapter four, verses fourteen through twenty. In many ways, Paul's letter to the Philippian church was like a newsletter from a gospel worker, which was Paul, to a supporting church, which was the church in Philippi. And as he concluded this letter, he shared in this section just before, in chapter four, verses ten through thirteen, how he was so thankful for the Philippian church, and how he was so thankful for their gift of support. And、Paul emphasized that he was content in whatever situations that he faced, as his King and Savior Jesus trained him and strengthened him to be content in Him alone. Paul continued in, in this train of thought in our scripture for today, Philippians chapter four, verses fourteen through twenty. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word. So here's the main message for today: the one thing from Philippians chapter four, verses fourteen through twenty: treasure being gospel friends on gospel mission. With God and each other, in this text of Scripture, Paul mentions two specific ways that we can treasure being gospel friends on gospel mission with God and each other. First, we can treasure our partnership in God's mission, and second, we can treasure how God our Father cares for us. And in each of these two main parts, I'm going to share a couple timeless truths as well. Let's pray briefly before we dive into God's word for today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it reveals who you are and what your heart is for your people. 
We do acknowledge the challenges of watching sermons online via video, but we pray that regardless of the medium, your word would do a transformative work in our hearts. We submit our hearts and minds before you now, asking that you speak personally and prophetically into us at this time. Enable us by your grace to be a faithful, sending church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, HMCC, let's look at the first way we treasure being gospel friends on gospel mission with God and each other. Focusing on verses 14 through 17, which is to treasure our partnership in God's mission. In these verses, Paul expressed his heartfelt gratitude for the care of the Philippian church. Here's truth number one. The gospel makes people into friends and partners with God and each other. Paul shared his thoughts of thankfulness for the gift that the Philippians had sent him in verses in verse 14. He said, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. The yet is a pivot point connecting what he had previously said. So in verses 10 through 13, Paul stated that he had learned to be content in, the, in, in any situation the Lord brought him into. He made it clear that he was not dependent on people, but instead he was dependent on God who provided through people. He experienced this in the difficult situation of being under house arrest in Rome, being unsure whether he would live or die in the near future. Imagine being in Paul's shoes at this time, facing uncertainty, facing death, and just being thankful that there was this entire church standing behind him and sharing in his troubles. Paul genuinely appreciated their care and concern for him. In fact, to go a bit deeper, the word shared is a very special word, specifically in the book of Philippians. He used this word in the New Testament Greek, it's koinonia, which means participation, communion, partnership, or fellowship. And look at how this word was used in other parts of this letter. letter. Koinonia is underlined in these verses. Philippians 3 verse 10, that I, may sh- that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Philippians 1 verses 3 and 5, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul had this koinonia with Christ, And he also had koinonia with the church in Philippi because of Christ. In fact, they were friends in Christ and on mission together in Christ. They were gospel friends on gospel mission. Can I pause here and bring our attention to the amazing grace of God that we can be friends and we can be partners with God and with each other. Jesus said in John 15, 15, that he didn't think of his disciples as merely servants. He considered them as friends, friends with whom he shared his father's sovereign will. God's will included that Jesus would lay down his life for his friends. This is the greatest kind of love so that their sins could be forgiven, that they could be reconciled with their heavenly father. And these 12 disciples, so very different and often at odds with one another, were friends of God and thus bonded together by Christ. So they were friends 
And they were partners together as well. Through Jesus, we as his disciples can also join in on God's plan to save the world, making disciples of all the nations, as it says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. When we follow Jesus by faith, obeying his teaching and following his ways, we enjoy this koinonia with God that Paul described here. And as disciples joined together as a church, we can also have this friendship and partnership in something so much bigger and greater than anything we can imagine. I thank God for this great privilege that I have with our churches here in Indonesia. And that's truth number one. The gospel makes people into friends and partners with God and each other. Now let's build on that a bit more with truth number two. Gospel friendships forge deep partnerships in God's mission. Now in verses 15 and 16, Paul recounted their history together. How this koinonia developed with the Philippian church. He said, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you alone only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. What he's talking about here is described in Acts chapter 16. The Spirit of God led Paul into Macedonia and first into the city of Philippi. There the Lord dramatically saved a wealthy merchant woman named Lydia, also, saving, also saved a slave girl and a jailkeeper in his family. That was the beginnings of the church in Philippi. Each of these people had been transformed by the gospel. It was in very different ways. The, Lydia was, was saved in a synagogue service. The, the slave girl was delivered from an evil spirit. The jailkeeper escaped uh, from an earthquake. They came from very different backgrounds. Lydia was rich, upper class. The slave girl was, was poor, lower class. Uh, the jailkeeper was a professional soldier in the Roman army. But they were gospel friends now. They were gospel friends that formed this church for whom Paul felt such incredible fondness. Their gospel friendship led them to work together as gospel partners too, to their own city and to even more unreached people and places with friends and partners like Paul. In Acts chapter 17, Paul launched from Philippi to other cities in the region of Macedonia and Achaia. This is modern-day Eastern Europe. He went to Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and Corinth. And you can see the regions and cities I'm talking about underlined in pink on the map. These were what Paul called the beginning days of the gospel, the early stages of the, the last stage of God's story of redemption, his plans to get the good news of God's salvation to all the nations. Paul's words here in verse 15 were that they had partnership, there's that word again, koinonia, with him in giving and receiving. Let me explain. The Philippians were early adopters to grasping this vision of God's salvation to to the nations and seeing their role as ascending church of God's missionaries to to those unreached people and places. 
They sent their financial support for Paul in prison. Back then, prisoners had to provide for their own daily necessities. They sent Epaphroditus, one of the core members of their church, to deliver that financial gift as well as to encourage Paul with his presence. And they presumably sent their prayers of intercession for his ministry as well. They had been transformed by the gospel that Paul preached to them. They became gospel friends and gospel partners together as a church, along with forging this gospel friendship and partnership with Paul, whom they supported. And Paul was able to do more gospel work, bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to even further unreached people and places that could transform others too. This is koinonia, gospel friendships and partnerships. Gospel friendships forging these deep, gospel partnerships. Going back to our text, Paul made his intentions clear in verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He reassured the Philippian church that he wasn't seeking any gift from them, but only really wanted to see the fruit of the gospel in their lives. As he had said before, their progress and joy in their faith. He said that in chapter 1, verse 26. You see, just as God, just as Paul pursued God and his will for his life, he wanted the Philippian church to live up to their potential and purpose uh, that God had for them, as well as invest themselves into the things that were truly valuable in God's kingdom. Things like bringing the gospel to unreached people and places and supporting the start of new churches among those people and places. All of this would be the fruit of good work that would be for their eternal benefit before God. Um, When I think about the start of our churches in Tangrang back in around 2009-2010 and our church in Jakarta back in around 2015 and 2016, I cannot help but praise God for doing this in our lives. The gospel has done a transforming work. The gospel had done a transforming work in our hearts in a small university town in the state of Michigan back in the U.S. We became their gospel friends and that led us to become partners in the gospel to continue God's mission. And so that church sent some of us to Indonesia, supporting us with their prayers, finances, and care as gospel friends on gospel mission to start a new church with that same vision in Indonesia. And over the years, the gospel has done that same transforming works in our hearts in Tangerang. And we all became friends through the gospel. And that led to becoming partners in the gospel to continue God's mission. I love, I love my spiritual family here at HMCC of Tangara. When I see you all, I am reminded again and again of God's grace at work in our lives. Then that church sent some of us to Jakarta to also start a new church with that same vision. We have all witnessed the transforming work of the gospel in this church as well. And we also became friends through the gospel that led to becoming partners in the gospel to continue God's mission. And I love my spiritual family at HMCC of Jakarta. 
When I see you as well, I am reminded over and over again of God's grace at work in our lives. Amen? My beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, what I want to exhort you in is to also live up to the purpose that God has for you by investing yourselves in the gospel work of His kingdom. We don't have to go anywhere to take steps in this. First, in being a healthy, biblical church that God has called us to be. This means being committed to discipling each other, uh, to follow Jesus, loving Him, obeying Him by faith, becoming like Him in His character and values. And don't quit doing this in our life groups. And, And don't quit doing this as a whole church then living for God's purposes, including loving your neighbors in this city. There are still loads of unchurched people that we live around and work around who need to see and hear who Jesus really is. Also, keep thinking about the ways that you could serve the groups of unwanted people in our, in our city of Jabodetabek, the at-risk forgotten, abused, marginalized, or ignored. Let's be the much-needed advocates for causes of justice and mercy here in our city. And now our churches will be sending out this team of gospel workers, what we're calling this disciple-making movement hub, to ripple further out, to bring the gospel to an unreached people group. We want to send them out well. May the Holy Spirit make our hearts big for God's mission in our city and throughout Indonesia and actually all around the world to to work with others to bring the gospel to unreached people in places that still remain here and abroad. This is how Pastor Eric, Pastor John, and I dream together. I treasure our friendship in the gospel. I mean, the Lord only knows how He could bring us together to be friends like this. We've been serving the King together for 10 plus years. And HMCC, let's dream together like this for our city, for Indonesia and beyond, for our own progress and joy in our faith. As I stated in Truth 2, remember that gospel friendships forge deep partnerships in God's mission. So we've seen from verses 14 through 17 that we can treasure our partnership in God's mission. Now, the second way we treasure being gospel friends on gospel missions with God and each other, focusing on verses 18 through 20, is this. Treasure how God our Father cares for us. In these verses, Paul explained how God was responsible for taking care of all of his people. And here's truth number three. Gospel friends and partners give from the overflow of God's grace in their lives. He wrote this specifically in verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You see, Paul was in poverty before when he was awaiting their gift, and he was in abundance now at the moment of receiving their gift. And from chapter 2, verses 25 through 30, we know that Epaphroditus had been sent from the Philippian church 
to bring their gift to Paul and also to take care of Paul personally. And this took care of Paul so much that he told them how he was well supplied. Literally, this meant being filled to the full. Um, I haven't eaten at any all-you-can-eat buffets uh, ever since the pandemic started. But the way I feel the way, the way I feel filled to the full when I eat at a place like Shaburi, Kintan Buffet, uh, is probably like how Paul felt, having received so much from the service of his friends and partners from Philippi. Compared to what he had, been, what he had given to the Philippians, Paul said that he actually received full payment and more. Let's think about this for a bit. What Paul was actually saying here initially sounds like a common way of thinking in Greek and Roman culture called reciprocation. Reciprocation meant that an ideal, acceptable friendship was mutually beneficial. If you received from a friend, then you were obligated as a good friend to give back to that friend sometime later. This is something, something similar to the expectations of people today as well. You know, you scratch my back now, I'll scratch your back sometime later when you need it. The language that Paul was using here hinted at this idea of reciprocation. In verse 17, he wrote how the gift that the Philippians had sent them would increase, to their, increase their credit. And then in verse 18, Paul wrote that he received full payment for, for their ministry to them, for his ministry to them. Now, let me ask you all this question. Isn't reciprocation as a way to build relationships a little didak enak? Isn't it a little, doesn't it leave a little bad taste in your mouth? But I would say that if we're honest with ourselves, we actually function this way naturally in our relationships with people. Think about it. Don't we try to avoid people at work who ask for help but never offer help in return? Don't we gravitate away from being friends with people who always borrow or ask for stuff from us? Don't we get annoyed by people who never say sorry or never think that they've done anything wrong? Don't you feel pressure to give a good gift back to someone if you got something really good from them before? We do this in our approach to others, but we do this in our approach to God as well, don't we? How many of us have tried to bargain with God? God, if I fast and pray for the next month, please make this happen, this promotion or relationship or or something else. But the gospel flips the normal, natural way of reciprocation upside down. God gave His Son, His one and only Son, as the sacrifice for our sins to pay our penalty for them in our place. There is no way, as human beings, we can reciprocate this with God. God transforms our hearts, enabling us now to trust in Him, to desire uh, to uh, honor Him, so that we see in greater ways that we actually can never pay God back at all. Instead, we receive the overflow of His grace in all of its forms in our lives, and we want to obey Him. We choose to do things like love our enemies and to forgive those who harm us and to resist temptation and receive correction and rebuke from others and and other things as well. 
This is the ongoing, transforming work of the gospel in our lives. And just for our uh, non-Christian friends listening to this sermon today, this is the Bible's message of salvation. God's salvation, that is, forgiveness of all of our sins and the promise of new life in Christ, is a gift of God by God's grace alone. We can never ever reciprocate this back to God. We simply receive it by faith. So this gospel dimension was where Paul was coming from when he wrote verse 18. He said that the Philippians' gift to him was a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. This is a reference from the Old Testament, um, Old Testament's uh, Thanksgiving offerings. The one and only atonement sacrifice that pays the price for our sins is Jesus Christ's crucifixion and death. But the, the ministry of the Philippians for Paul, their financial support and the service of Epaphroditus was not reciprocation, but like a thanksgiving offering, just as Paul's ministry to the Philippians, risking his life to obey the call of Christ to bring the gospel to them, was also a thanksgiving offering that was in response to God's overflowing grace in his life. Listen carefully to this, because this is how the gospel affects our relationships. In giving his son, God gave generously, all out and extravagantly to us in a way that we can never ever come close to paying back. This is the gospel. But as we receive this overflowing grace from God, our hearts are transformed and we can also give generously. We can also live all out. We can also love extravagantly towards others. It's no longer you scratch my back back and I'll scratch your back sometime later when you need it. Instead it is, I have received grace from God, now I give grace freely and generously to you as needed. No strings attached. That's truth number three. Gospel friends and partners give from the overflow of God's grace in their lives, not out of reciprocation. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing when we see it. Now here's the fourth and final truth for us. Faith in God the Father fuels us to continually pursue His mission. Finally, Paul went on and wrote this in verses 19 and 20. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Look at the personal language that Paul used here. He was sure that his God, with whom he had a real, living, intimate relationship based on God's grace alone, he would take care of his needs. Paul talked about God as their Father. In Christ together, they shared a heavenly Father who loved them, nurtured and cared for them, who, who disciplined and trained them, and who was deeply committed to them. Verse 19 reinforces this vertical aspect of their relationship with God now as gospel friends on gospel mission. When God sent Jesus to walk the earth, 
to go to the cross, to resurrect. He took care of our greatest needs. Escape from God's wrath, forgiveness of our sins, Christ's perfect righteousness credited to our spiritual accounts before God, living new, uh, new and living hearts to trust and love God, present partial restoration and, uh, in our earthly lives and eternal final restoration in paradise for, for eternity. Paul wrote that our Heavenly Father supplies every need according to, the riches of, to His riches in glory. You see, God is not stingy or masochistic towards His children. He gives according to the riches of His glory. He wants to build in us dependence, undivided devotion, and Christ-like character because He loves us and He provides and does all that He can, all that He wants to do that in our lives. Think about what makes us hesitant to give of our time or money or energy to others. Isn't, a bi- isn't, it, isn't a big reason because we feel like we only have a limited amount of resources and if we give them away, it might just run out on us? I'm not saying that we, have to, that we give recklessly. We do need wisdom. Uh, we do need discernment, uh, of course. But I will also say that we often function with an orphan mindset, we worry about our own needs. We, we often find ourselves thinking that we have to compete against others for ourselves in, in life. This is a reason why we struggle with anxiety. This is a reason why we treat people badly. This is why we get, ge- we get jealous of, of others' good fortune. And so often we think or react like spiritual orphans in situations instead of seeing ourselves as having a Heavenly Father who gives us his every, who gave us His everything already, which proves He'd provide anything else that we need in our lives. A grace-overflowing mindset and perspective of our Heavenly Father means that we trust that we have a Heavenly Father who cares for us, who provides for us, who, and that affects our relationships and friendships, our partnerships with others as we serve God's mission. This mindset produces generous giving of our time and energy and money and our care and our attention and our prayers as gospel friends on gospel mission together. Because faith in God the Father fuels us to continually pursue God's mission. You know, the last time we were in the U.S. was the summer of 2019. And we did this epic road trip to do something we call partner development. Partner development means asking people to become our partners, committing to support our family financially uh, every month and to pray for our family and ministry here regularly. Uh, We didn't feel so comfortable with this in the beginning uh, because it felt like that we were selling or soliciting from our friends and family, which is a very awkward thing to do. But over the 7,727 kilometers in 17 states that we traveled through, there was this song that played over and over again. We listened to this song over and over again in the car called, Is He Worthy? Most of us know it, but some of the words go like this. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. 
Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave, he was David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? He is. By God's grace, it slowly sunk into us that we're not selling or soliciting anything. We are inviting our friends and family to become partners with us in God's mission because Jesus Christ is worthy. It was grueling. It was tiring. But it was also awesome to connect with new friends and to reconnect with old friends and to see how God brought our hearts so close together with so many of them. And as we sang this song probably over a hundred times in the car that summer, this conviction grew stronger and stronger. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is worthy of it all. He is As verse 20 says, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Church family, this is what we envision for us as well. We are not selling or soliciting anything. We are inviting this family to join together, to truly become gospel friends on gospel mission together. May faith in God our Father fuel us to continually pursue God's mission. May the overflow of God's grace compel us to give generously of our time, our treasure, our talents, our care, our attention to works that are bigger than just us. Praise the Lord. We've seen from verses 18 through 20 that we can treasure how God our Father cares for us. What are the next steps now that we can take as we treasure being gospel friends on gospel mission with God and each other? There are here are two life applications for us in light of what we've learned from Philippians 4, 14 through 20. First, develop your gospel friendship on gospel mission with God the Father and with the church. Like I mentioned before, If you sense Jesus Christ calling you to trust in Him as your Savior and King, I invite you to take this first step. For you and others already on this journey of following Jesus, continue to take steps to grow in your intimacy with God our Father. There's nothing that can replace that time spent with Him in prayer, in the Word, and in worship to simply be refilled with His abundant overflowing grace. Also, the need that this pandemic has exposed is our need to be deeply connected as a a church, the spiritual family that we're called to be gospel friends on gospel mission together. Double down in the development of real, honest, grace-filled friendships supplied by God's overflowing grace with each other. Second, envision and execute how how you will be on mission in your city 
and beyond. Start by where you are. For example, my wife and I, we've been walking every day in our neighborhood in the morning, and we always start our walk with a prayer for our neighbors, for God to work in their hearts and for opportunities to build relationships with them. And God's been answering those prayers. And I want us as well to ask the Father how He wants, how he wants you to be participating in His mission. And listen to the Spirit when He speaks to you. Take some of those initial steps as He does speak to you. We're also going to be sending off this team to start this disciple-making movement hub with the goal of our church to participate tangibly in missions to unreached people groups. In light of God's overflowing grace, what ways can you partner with the friends that are going? Will it be from giving your time, energy, or prayers? May we send them out with our lavish commitment to pray for them, to financially support them, and to care for them as our gospel friends on gospel mission until we see churches planted of this people group started and growing. Well, that's it from me preaching Philippians 4, 14 through 20. May we treasure being gospel friends on gospel mission with God and each other. I'll let, now, I'll let you now respond to the Spirit as He leads you uh, and as we regather together in our Zoom service. God bless you.